0: text for the message this morning is Zechariah chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, continuing the series on the visions of Zechariah, and we'll read this together. Again, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side, and everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. I will send it out, declares the Lord of hosts and it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name. And it shall remain in his house and consume it, both timber and stones. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Jews who had returned from exile learnt from Zechariah's sixth vision, the one we just read, that one of the dangers of a monocultural isolated congregation is that some sinful behaviors become so common that we stop seeing them. This is common also today. Sometimes it takes a visitor from another country or culture with fresh eyes to see the typical North American behaviors that really are sins that have become acceptable in most churches the idolatry of, of work, extravagant living, the use of alcohol or drugs, the generally accepted right to refuse to associate with people who are different than you, breaking some of the laws that we don't like, smuggling purchases or, or gifts because we don't want to pay duty on them at the border, Gossip, worldliness in clothing or music preferences or, or films or priorities. You can think of other sins that we struggle with commonly here in North America. Other countries you go, you see see different things again. And if children grow up seeing these sins as normal in the lives of Christians and perhaps even acceptable as long as a person goes through the motions of giving money and taking the time to go to church twice on Sunday, well, the church soon looks a lot like the world in every respect except for Sunday. And then what happens is that there are some people who who go to church not because they necessarily want to but because they don't want to hurt God's feelings. Or they believe that they are doing God a favor, if you can believe that. And can we blame people who have only known insincere Christians and churches that do not discipline sin, that have no Matthew 18 and mutual exhortation? Because if God did indeed accept sins, in his church, and if he did tolerate syncretism, this this kind of compromise faith, and if he did smile upon the contradictions of hypocrisy, well, then we are right. They are right to think that the church is irrelevant. What kind of God would we be left with if he can't even rescue sinners from their misery? But that's not the kind of God that we worship. The Bible tells us that He is a God who brings redemption to sinners. But that He does it in a way that satisfies, satisfies His holy justice. Salvation only comes to those who trust in Him completely, who confess their sins before His holy majesty and who fight against their sins without hypocrisy. With His covenant promises, He obligates His children to submit themselves to Him, to truly love, to serve His Son, Jesus Christ. He looks for fruits among those whom He has redeemed. And when He comes to judge the living and the dead, only those with faith in Jesus Christ will be saved. In places like Psalm 73, that we'll sing after the, the, the message this morning, Places like the book of Ecclesiastes, the Holy Spirit urges us to see this life more than just what we're doing today, but with an eternal perspective, considering how we would fare standing before the eternal judge that we sing about in the Psalms. The real question is, where do you want to be when Christ Jesus returns? And do you think that's an important question? Zechariah's vision helps us to focus our attention on the eternal consequences of our life's choices today. Zechariah's visions, the Lord of hosts revealed that his holiness and his desire to have loving subjects in his eternal kingdom also means that he will punish all those who persist in a life of ungodliness, including those who may try to hide themselves in Christian churches. And then we see that the church and the gospel message is not irrelevant at all, for it is the source of all our hope and comfort. And looking over Zechariah's shoulder at this sixth vision of the night, So many centuries ago, I preached to you the gospel under this theme. Look up, the flying scroll purifies Christ's church of all the ungodly. We'll see the flying scroll arrives at the church, activates the curse, and announces the Christ. When we read about a scroll, you know what a a scroll is? It's like, like a book. In every way pages with writing except that instead of having a binding connecting many pages together was made up of one long sheet of paper that was rolled up on rods that could be stored, uh, made it easier to store it and to transport it. A scroll was used to write down the Lord's words of revelation so that they might be saved and passed on from one generation to the next. and There are several characteristics of the scroll that Zechariah saw in his vision. The scroll was a flying scroll and with a length of 20 cubits which is about 30 feet or 9 meters and a width of 10 cubits which is 15 feet or four and a half meters the second characteristic was that it was very large. You can imagine 30 feet by 15 feet, just a big screen that we might have today about the size of the front of this pulpit area that was flying through the sky. That it was flying confirmed that it came from the Lord. and Its presence was visible in the sky for everyone in the land, to be able to see it. Everybody could see the message without any distinction. And the great size of the scroll reveals that God had a very important and very weighty message that could not be ignored. Now it's very striking that the scroll had the same dimensions as the holy place of the tabernacle. You remember that the holy place is the part of the tabernacle reserved for the priests. And after they had offered their sacrifices on the, burnt, um, on the altar for burnt offering, they could, they could come in to the holy place, which was before the most holy place that was just reserved for the high priest. And so this, the mentions of this scroll were the same as the place where, where purified priests could, could see the presence of the Lord symbolized in the lampstand and the table of God's presence and where they had the altar of incense for for their prayers. The scroll was the same size as the holy place on earth where the kingdom of priests walked with their God. God's message was intended for those people who were already tasting and seeing the goodness of God after He had redeemed them and came to dwell among them. The flying scroll of the curse arrived at the church. It was a message meant for the kingdom of priests. And the angel who was speaking with Zechariah explained that the flying scroll is a curse which is going out upon the face of the earth. We see that in verse 3. Right from the beginning when God established His covenant, He always presented His promises along with curses or disobedience, for those who rejected His grace. You can think of, of Abraham and the covenant made with Abraham in Genesis 15 when he had to walk through all those animals that had been cut apart. And then God said He would walk through them, and yet we see there that the punishment for disobedience was symbolized by the blood of those cut animals. The sacrifices and the, and the, covenant, the covenant signs of circumcision and Passover They also included the shedding of blood so that people would never forget the curse of God that remained on those who refused His grace. And the punishments of droughts and disease and exile made it clear that the Lord was not joking about His holiness. That there were consequences, real consequences, for everyone who who tried to run away from His mercy. Zechariah's sixth vision announces that God remains holy and that, he's, that, he, that curse would hover over the church as a constant condition. The fact that the scroll of God's curse is flying over the reformed church in Zechariah's day is an important lesson for us today as we think about the holiness of our God. Covenant children are reminded that they should never take the blessings of God for granted as if God owes it to us. Zechariah is called to remind the church of the absolute necessity of their faith and their obedience, even though they may have been born into the promises. The Lord Jesus would teach the same thing on many occasions during His ministry on earth as he warned the Jewish leaders that they should not assume that they were already in the kingdom of heaven. The passage we read in 1 Peter 4 also brings together these, all these Old Testament themes of judgment beginning with the family of God to encourage God's people not to live in their sins. of Murder, robber, robbery, or evildoing Or meddling. You could see that in verse 15 of 1 Peter 4. Hypocrites must hear the warning. With an increase of knowledge comes an increase in our responsibility. Being delivered from slavery once, or being born of covenant parents, or believing parents in the covenant, and growing up in a church cannot me uh, cannot be interpreted to mean that we are exempt from the need to humbly submit ourselves to the Lord our king and lawgiver with the promises of the covenant also come the warnings of the curses for disobedience redemption doesn't mean exemption zechariah's sixth vision confirms that even after they return to the lord once The flying scroll of God's curse hovers above them, ready for action in service to the purifying fire of God's holiness. The flying scroll you see in the vision is activating the curse. Now the curse of God is not based on some random ideas concerning what is right and what is wrong but rather it is based on the eternal standards of his holy law, which reveal the difference between joy and suffering and misery. The words of the interpreting angel make some allusions to the description of the ten words of the covenant. You can see that as you look at the description of the scroll, both clearly are going forth from God in heaven to redeemed people on the earth, both the flying scroll and the law. Just as the commandments were written on both sides of the stone tablets, so also the flying scroll has writing on both sides. The particular sins that are mentioned in Zechariah's vision are a direct, a direct reference to the third commandment and the eighth commandment. And so they, they represented both the first table of the law dealing with our relationship to God and the second table of the law dealing with our relationship to our neighbor. And then the Lord draws the attention of of His church in Zechariah's day to two particular sins, stealing and swearing falsely by His name. Not because there were no other displeasing sins in their lives, but probably because these were particularly common church sins that were plaguing the well-being of God's people at that time. You can see that if you look at, at Haggai, the people were giving more priority to their own homes than to the, the building of the church. They were, they were stealing money for themselves, the cost of serving in God's kingdom. Malachi, he also deals with the same problem. He's another prophet after the exile. And, and he says to the people, why are you robbing me? And they said, how are we robbing you? And, he, and the Lord said, it's, it's by, by not paying your, your contributions to the kingdom of God. By holding back, keeping things for yourselves. At the same time, that time in a desire to have things that the Lord had not given to them, people were, were swearing falsely to deceive others. Ignoring the holiness of the Lord's name, and perhaps even calling upon the names of, of other gods to, to get them what they want, get what they wanted for themselves. And these things were becoming so common and, and so acceptable they, they didn't even really notice it. It, it. it makes sense to try get ahead when it's such a hard time. And their sins then cause offense to their covenant Father who saved them and caused harm to one another. And then the Lord connected those suffering, that misery, with the law. He shows the connection between the curse and disobedience to the law because He was showing that He wants His people not to have to live in this misery, this punishment. God is not being nasty with this curse, but the curse is a sign of His love for the eternal well-being of His church who, who are living with this, in this blinded way. He wanted to rescue His church from more suffering. And the hovering curse and the flying scroll is used then as a shepherd's rod to, to once again correct the people of God using the threat of destruction and banishment which would come to them in order to turn them back away from eternal death and to His eternal love. The vision of the flying scroll is a promise that the Lord will Discipline his church. He will clean out, excommunicate is is also what that that means in the context. All those who, who persist, even in the generally accepted sinful practices that are like filthy spots and blemishes among us, as Peter calls them in 2 Peter chapter 2. And though through discipline and through excommunication through the warnings of of the law and the curse revealed. The Lord is giving rebellious people, even among the church of God, to have a foretaste of what it will be like at His coming. They have a foretaste of His coming judgment in, in His words so that they still have time to repent. And so we see God's grace and the use of the the future in verse 4, I will send out the flying curse. And he says that curse will enter the house of those who persist in sin against him. And we see God's grace not only in, in the warning, but also in his decision to be patient to give time to the sinner. He will not act immediately. He says that 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 curse will remain in his house. It will abide there for some time so we can begin to see the consequences. And we see God's grace in, in confirming that there is no way out, that there are no loopholes for those who want to remain in their sins. He says this will certainly happen. Those who persist in their sins, whether under the cover of a hypocritical church membership or not, they will face eternal consequences if they do not repent. The Lord is very clear in that message through Zechariah. The evildoer will be cleaned out from the kingdom which God is preparing, which will be pure. Revelation 14 confirms That this warning isn't just something from the Old Testament. It's something that that continues to, to stand and hover above us today. So that also today we don't mock the holiness of our God. The Lord still says the hour of judgment is near. Those who choose the beast over the lamb will drink the wine of God's wrath. They will be tormented Without rest, day or night. Revelation 14, verse 9 to 11. It's the equivalent of having your home, your place of rest destroyed. Again, this announcement is a warning to the ungodly. And as we read in Revelation 14, verse 12, it's also a call for the endurance of the saints who keep his commandments of God, the, keep the commandments of God. And when they fall, their faith in Jesus Christ. The vision of the flying scroll is like a, a huge wake-up call. Like the, the law, as it serves as, as a mirror so that the church can, can really see and understand what the problem in their lives are to, to examine ourselves. And the Lord may be using this vision this morning to wake you up to think about the serious consequences of holding on to those sins that you you love so much that you don't even want to talk to about others about the sins that have become a part of your daily life we think about those in the light of the big scroll it is a curse against those sins and we realize that no matter How many aspects of this created world we think we can redeem by making them captive to Christ to serve in His kingdom. We can never redeem sin. Sinful thoughts, attitudes, words, and behaviors always hinder the worship of God. Causing harm and misery to our, our neighbors. And that's why the Spirit right now in our hearts is working to, to, to help us to see those sins, to hate them more and more. To see them for what they are. And to remain in God's love. To abide in Christ. This congregation also needs to take our Lord's words in Matthew 18 very seriously. Not be afraid to exhort And to encourage one another when we are falling into sins. Even, yes, those common and so-called acceptable sins. A A rebuke from a brother or sister is a great blessing in the church. It reflects the same grace of God revealed in the sixth vision. True love is being willing to confront sinners so that they may repent and see instead of the misery of their sins, the the shining grace of God and the forgiveness of all our sins in Christ. For God's law and His curse, they always drive the sincere Christian on their knees to Jesus Christ. The flying scroll announces the Christ. And So look at your own life. Look at how that vision is working right now in your hearts, and in your lives. When you look up, and when you see that flying scroll of God's curse, how do you respond? When the Holy Spirit is working in your hearts, you will see very clearly how much God hates sin. You will see clearly how dangerous it is for you to love your sins more than you love God. You will realize that that hiding sins or expecting, accepting sins or, or respecting sins in your life or in the life of, of any of your brothers and sisters is not a good way to show love. You will realize that your Christian faith is not some kind of joke, some irrelevant activity in your weak. It's not just a matter of uh, of, of claiming forgiveness for sins that we don't hate and fight against simply to keep God happy. You'll start to see your absolute need for God's mercy toward you. Begin to understand that your Christian faith is, is actually the most relevant and the most important and the most happy and the most hopeful thing in all your life both in this world and, and in the next. The Gospel Proclamation of God's grace to you in Jesus Christ, and its regular application to your life will be the highest joy, and you will see the urgency of a true and living faith in the Triune God, whose arms are open to receive every repentant sinner. Everyone who, who repeats what that curse is pointing out and saying, "Yes, I have been stealing." Yes. I have been swearing falsely. Yes, I have lived with idolatry in my life. The scroll is meant to expose and bring us to repentance. And it's given in the context of of all the other visions that we went through. Gracious promise upon gracious promise. The the mediator in the myrtle trees. The the clean clothes in Jesus Christ. The the church without any boundaries. The the Lord reaching down, promising salvation with promise after promise. And then He says, and, and don't miss out on this. The promise of the curse is in the context of the Gospel salvation. And when we look at what the New Testament reveals about Jesus Christ... We can see how the Lord, in Christ, provided a way out from underneath this curse in His Son. Not only did our Lord Jesus meet the conditions of the covenant that we could not, and with His righteousness, He also bore the promised curse and the punishment for disobedience. The gospel of the New Testament is that He shed His blood to bear the consequences of the disobedience of the circumcised children of the covenant. And so now the signs of the covenant have no blood in them anymore. It's blood, it's, or it's water, it's, it's bread, it's, it's wine. Water that cleanses. Jesus Christ gave His life as the Lamb of God so that the sinner would not have to bear the, the curse of death for the sins that, that we've committed. Christ Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth he entered the place of God's divine curse to bear the punishment in the place of everyone who believes in him. And the scroll drives us to Christ. And now when we humble ourselves in confession and repentance, we can look up and we can see our Lord Jesus Christ in the place of the flying scroll of the curse, curse scroll. We can see Our Lord Jesus Christ showing the eternal judge that our debt is paid for. You can see our Lord Jesus Christ presenting His righteousness as our righteousness before the eternal judge who is coming. Revelation 14 reveals that in the midst of the Lord's promise of future judgment, there will be a messenger, an angel, flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth. We read it to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, and as we lift up our eyes, we can look up and see this as well. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. The eternal gospel is that our heavenly judge will purify His church, writing His name, as we read in Revelation 14, on the foreheads of all those who follow the Lamb, who, who who receive Him as the one who bore the curse for us and in our place, who are blameless by His grace. Here there will be nothing unclean, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, you can read about that in Revelation 21 and 22. where all these things that are unacceptable in God's eternal kingdom will be cleaned out. The kingdom of priests will be purified. And so, brothers and sisters, when you look up and see the flying scroll of God's curse hovering even above your life, even above your home, even above this church. Do not doubt the seriousness and the power of God's Word, but but see also the Gospel that Christ has borne that curse for everyone who believes in Him. And then we see that bowing our knee before Jesus Christ, confessing our sins and receiving His grace, coming to gather and do this together with other believers, that's not irrelevant. Being a member of Christ's church is not meaningless, just an outward activity to maybe keep God happy. If you want to talk about meaningless things, it's, it's really not worth it to hold on to your sins. No matter how acceptable they may be or how hard it is to to fight against them. And then we see that in Christ we can experience God's grace. The next vision will tell us how the Lord helps us to remove those sins out of our lives. But don't be deceived by the lies of the world. Don't be deceived by the hypocrisy of so many church members. Do not be deceived by the lackadaisical attitude of untested faith. Believing in Jesus Christ, confessing your sins, repenting and receiving forgiveness is a matter of death and life. Eternal death or eternal life. And so we praise God for His purifying work and its eternal, wonderful consequences For us, the purified church in Christ. Amen.